Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this On the Continent Transfer Special, your definitive guide to the news across Europe. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On this edition... In the Bundesliga, how will Dortmund spend all that Real Madrid money they got for Jude Bellingham? And who do Bayern Munich need to sign to reinforce? Also, will Mbappe be the signing of the transfer window or the non-signing? And we're answering as many of your transfer queries as we've got time for. And is there a Saudi effect to the summer transfers? David... On a scale of 1 to 11, how excited do you get when the transfer window comes around? Um, I actually do get very excited. I mean, obviously there's a lot of guff, but I think also it's really interesting to see, you know, and analyse particular moves and what have you and, you know, see if it's a good fit or if it's not a good fit. So I like that side of it. I think that's very interesting. Andy, I would have thought that, you know, you spend a lot of time as well, maybe not as much as David, when it comes to transfer window time. I think the other part of it, um, on the back of what David was saying, is we're frequently wrong. You know, it's, it's a lucky dip, isn't it? You know, you can never totally know how a player's going to be fit, but this is the time as, as much as anything for, for hope. Like everything that went wrong for our teams last season is in the rearview mirror. And um, this is a season where it's all going to come right. Possibly. That's why I love it. That's why I love it. Because this transfer window, every transfer window, a summer transfer window at least, tells us a little bit about what's to come in the shape of the season for each team. Bayern Munich are expected to be very busy in this transfer window. Who are they likely to sign and who are they likely not to sign? David? Yeah, I think, you know, when the season ended and actually I think, you know, partway through last season and even going back to last summer if you want to go that far back it's quite clear that Bayern need a centre forward it's it's something they've lacked um, you know since Robert Lewandowski had gone has uh, went to Barcelona um, I think they never truly addressed that it then caused a lot of problems and I think it was a big reason in why Nagelsmann ended up going as well you know that played a part um, so they need to address that um, I think Randall Colo Moani is a name that seems to be frequently linked and makes a lot of sense. Uh, Harry Kane is another name being mentioned as well, which I don't really see working out. So I think it's Moani who would, uh, I think, be the ideal centre-forward sign for them. And there's also, of course, a lot of talk of uh, defensive signings. Um, if uh, if Lucas Hernandez does leave, then they'll need a, a replacement for him. So the, obviously, you know, like a lot of clubs are these days, tracking that uh, elusive uh, left-footed centre-back. 
Andy, a couple of questions. I'll throw one at you immediately. Uh, why wouldn't Bayern Munich, when they need a centre-forward, go for Harry Kane? Well, I think there has to be a question of desire on his part. Um, it, it doesn't seem like he's given them much encouragement so far, as well as the fact that it'd be very expensive for them. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that's the overarching theme of this opening to uh, the, the, the summer for uh, Bayern, because there's a very different structure in how they're going to sign players. Um, because, of course, uh, Oliver Kahn and Hassan Salahamazic, the sporting director, have, have, have both gone. Um, they haven't got a new sporting director yet. So that means that Thomas Tuchel is being given a little bit more power in, in, in terms of signings, uh, advised by the semi-return, at least, well, not, not entirely permanent return of uh, Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. And you have to ask, is that really the best approach for them, especially given what a profound rebuild they need? Given that sort of control to the head coach, doesn't often end up well in, in, in the modern game. And I think we, we can look at these uh, early projected signings. Now, we're expecting Kim Min Jai to come from Napoli. Of course, a lot of Premier League interest in him. Um, fairly low by the standards um, of the market release clause in his, his Napoli contract. So they can't stop him from going in July. Um, that, that clause is only valid of around 45 million euros is only valid for July. A lot of big clubs would like to pick him up because he was terrific last season. He was terrific the season before Fenerbahce, but obviously he did it at a much higher level last season. And him and Kyle Walker, who's also expected to join for Manchester City, they're the, they're the big ones. And I think you can look at those and think, okay, this is where big bad Bayern start coming back together again. And, you know, these are two real statement signings. But as David was hinting at there, they're to replace players who were on the way out. So Benjamin Pavard has got a year left on his contract. He's not keen to sign again. So he'll probably be off this summer or, or at the latest next summer. Um, Joao Cancelo didn't convince to the extent that they wanted to pay 70 million euros on him and they were never going to pay 70 million euros for a, for a right back anyway. And Kim is probably going to be a replacement for Luca Hernandez who might, might be on his way possibly to Paris Saint-Germain. So the two big needs of the team that have been clear for ages, the two big needs that David identified there, that of a centre-forward and a defensive midfielder, those are the two big holes. So we can talk about the fact that um, Bayern have, uh, are heading towards making two great signings in, in Kim and Kyle, Kyle Walker, and, and, and great for them. But they're not actually fixing two of the major issues, the two major issues that they need to get better next season. It's, it's funny you say the term big bad Bayern as well, Andy, because uh, I've noticed they're apparently... Uh, closing in on Rafael Guerrero as well from, uh, from 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 Dortmund, you know, just just that little dig that Bayern like to do every now and then, just you know, just yeah. let Dortmund know who's who and who's the top dog in Germany. Yeah, we're coming on to Dortmund in just a second. How much influence should Thomas Tuchel have on Bayern's rebuild, David? Tuchel's record, you know, if you look in the past when he's identified talent and when he's been in charge of you know saying this player and that player. A little bit patchy, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, a club like Bayern who are very. There's always a power struggle going on, and it'll be interesting to see how much power they do give uh, to the coach um, moving forward, and it'll, that'll play out um, all over the summer. It's going to be weird seeing Kyle Walker in a Bayern Munich shirt if he goes there, Andy. <laughs> if he goes there, there's been a lot of talk about that, a lot of speculation. Will they use him in the same way as Man City? 
Well, they've got a couple of options with him, which is, I think is what makes him so attractive. The fact that you can use him as a third centre-back. Um, he's still good as a, as a right-back in a four. So they've got a couple of options. And I think you look at the high-octane way in which football is played in the Bundesliga. Um, the fact that he's still incredibly fit, incredibly fast. I think those are, are two things. And his strength are, are, are things that are really going to help him. You know, um, something that Pep Guardiola said when he first uh, arrived at, um, at Bayern is like, everyone, everyone's good at counter-attacking you here. And Carl Walker's your insurance policy against that. Bayern plays so high up the pitch and they got caught time and time again, not just last season, but in the season before. You know, it's, it's easy for me to say that, that they've got their two priorities for this summer, and they are their two priorities for this summer. But defensively, they've not been up to it over, over the last couple of seasons. And um, it was one of the things that set back Julian Nagelsmann when he originally arrived. Um, it took, took a while to sort out. He got some of the signings he wanted, um, but it didn't quite come right. The defence really let them down in the Champions League, notably at Manchester City last season. So to have Walker as that sort of backup, when you're defending on the halfway line all, all, all the time, who would you rather have at right back than him? I mean, there can't be many, can there? He's he's not your average thirty three year old, as you've touched on there in terms of his fitness. He's you know his pace hasn't waned, um, his general strength as well. And and like you say, if they if Bayern are operating on a basis where they you know are prone to counter attacks, then you know he, as you rightly say, he's the perfect insurance policy. So I think he would go across and and fit in really well and um, quite effortlessly, I think as well. It's Dortmund that's rolling in cash, or so we're led to believe, after the money they would have got from the Jude Bellingham signing to Real Madrid. Andy, what, what are they likely to do with that cash? Well, uh, Hans-Joachim Vatska, the CEO, has already said um, we're only going to be spending 60% of it. I, I was surprised he was that explicit, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but they obviously want to try and not just replace Bellingham, which is going to be really difficult, um, but that they want to strengthen in the areas where they, they weren't quite good enough last season. Um, now, straight away, I think if you look at the midfield, um, they're looking to sign Edson Alvarez from Ajax, who I think would be terrific. Not really a Bellingham replacement, a defensive midfielder, and a defensive midfielder is kind of underlining the fact that Salih Özcan, after a promising start, after arriving from Köln, just wasn't really up to it in the second half of the season. So they think they need a little bit of an upgrade there. And Alvarez would be terrific. Uh, he's keen to, 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 to make the move. In terms of a more direct attacking replacement for Bellingham, because that's what he did so well last season and the season before. Um, burst from midfield into the box late. And he was, he was terrific at that. They're looking at uh, Felix Metzger of Wolfsburg. Now, he's available for a very reasonable price, around 15 million euros. Of course, like his brother Lucas, his older brother Lucas, a graduate from the Manchester City Academy. The problem they've got with him is Dortmund fans have started protesting about the prospective signing of, of Mecha. And that is because he is um, very uh, devoutly religious and some of his social media posts have been certainly interpreted by Dortmund fans of being homophobic and transphobic. And they've come out and said, look, we don't want this, this guy at our club. Now, Metsch is clearly keen for this move to happen. And I, I think Felix Metscher would be terrific for them on, on, on the pitch. So he's um, launched a, a, a sort of riposte to that, really. 
saying, look, um, you know, I, I am um, devoutly religious, but on on the other hand, you know, um, I'm live and let live. And uh, I think everyone should be um, respected and free to live their lives as they want. Um, I guess the interesting thing, rather than the actual negotiation or where it fit, is is this enough to appease some of Dortmund's fans? Because I think the thing we always have to remember in this situation and in any Bundesliga-related situation, the fans have a power that they don't necessarily have in, in, in other countries. You know, fans really make themselves heard and, and they could make it super difficult if the club didn't get them on side and uh, Felix Metzger didn't get them on side. Yeah, David, you're nodding as well there. What a difference it makes though, when you have that fan power. The off-field issues aside, look, Dortmund have lost a huge player in Jude Bellingham. Is it really going to be possible to replace him in this season and to come out stronger than you were last season? I think if any club knows how to replace um, losing a star, then it's Borussia Dortmund. The the list we could go through many players, going back to Kagawa, Mkhitaryan, Lewandowski, Sancho. You know that there's so many, Haaland, there's so many players that have left that club and they've had to, you know, replace them astutely and they they most of the time they have they, they you know not not every single time it's going to come off of course so there will be pressure um on them in terms of replacing bellingham but they've been here before they've done it before it's not a new concept for them um i also think you know you, you look at their skills in the market as well if anybody can identify talent then i'd trust Borussia dortmund over a lot of clubs to 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 do that so i think the players are out there to replace Dortmund uh, to replace Bellingham sorry um for Dortmund so yeah I think they're in a good position to do so and I wouldn't be too concerned uh, honestly about that and they'll go again in the Bundesliga next season it's I think it's not the actually the question I wouldn't be asking is whether they can replace Bellingham it's whether they can get over such that, that such a huge psychological blow to lose in the manner that they did the the league title on the last day and is there any particular player that you would you would mention in regards to this that they might consider? Yeah, well, one of my favourite young players around right now in any league, and that's Gabri Vega from Celta Vigo. Um, I'd really love to see him at Dortmund. Um, I think it's the ideal move for him. He's been linked with Liverpool's and Real Madrid's and Barcelona's, but there's no harm, I think, in him going to Dortmund for a year or two years, um, just getting a feel for high-pressure football, for playing in, in Europe as well. Um, and then looking at a bigger move after that, like a lot of other players have. There's no rush for him. Um, very exciting young midfielder um, who should be available for maybe around 40 million or so. So that's who I would pick for them. For now, Bellingham driving forward. Oh, ankle breaker for Arnold. Bellingham. Oh, would have been glorious. And it is going to go in for Jude Bellingham. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Let's move on to what may or may not be the transfer discussion point of the summer. I suspect whatever happens with Kylian Mbappe, wherever he ends up at the end of this summer for next season, that we'll be talking about him and somehow he will be the counterweight to (laughs) all the other transfers. Andy, you you know what's going on more than I do in this uh, PSG world, somewhat surreal. The last week or so, it's just been difficult. It gets curiouser and curiouser, let's just say that. Yeah, and uh, Kylian Mbappe has has dealt with the fallout in the most Kylian Mbappe way possible. Um, The the fact that he came out before uh, France's game at at Gibraltar and didn't shy away, spoke publicly from it. And um, we spoke about it on the Ramble, that line where he said, well, I don't think anyone's ever been killed by a letter about his uh, letter um, saying that he uh, wouldn't be um, taking up the option to extend his contract to, to, to 2025, sort of saying the club have been a bit silly about this, really, without actually naming the club in it. Um, now, we've been here before in terms of they have, QSI have tried to quite um, st- take a strong public line and, and try to almost bully him into doing what they want and they must know by now that 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 doesn't happen now I suppose they will say well they eventually got him to to, to sign a new contract last summer it took political pressure as well the the intervention of uh, Emmanuel Macron um, not least um, part of that but this time you know Mbappe we, we know he can flex his muscles like no other modern footballer in terms of what he thinks is right now I guess the, the question is, 
they if if he's going to let it run to the end if he's going to let his contract run to the end they have made clear publicly that they want to sell him this summer and want to recoup something from that um i think there are two things here firstly i don't know whether they really want to do that and secondly is is that actually possible because they they can't make him go if he doesn't want to and you know i think he has always publicly said his plan is to stay for next season i think the only move that you would get him to accept this summer possibly is Real Madrid. It doesn't feel to me, David, like Real Madrid are all in on doing it this summer, at least not yet. Yeah, it's it's funny. The timing of this is really interesting because uh, if you look at the Madrid media the past week or so, they've definitely been fed from Real Madrid and Florentino Perez that no more signings will arrive. So you can clearly <laughs> see some some games, uh, some gamesmanship's already just starting <laughs> to be played out there a little bit. Um, and that, that Think he's think he's trying to you know scare PSG um, a little bit and and just start the the wheels in motion for you know from this uh, bit of a bit of a cold war shall we say in in terms of what they have with PSG so yeah it's an interesting one I think you know Real Madrid would absolutely love him don't get me wrong if they could get him ahead of time I know they've just spent a lot of money um, you know bringing in Jude Bellingham um, and then of course you know Chuamani Camavinga have also come in as well. Um, and, uh, but I still think they would find the cash if, for Mbappe if he was available. One, for a decent fee, what they would they would deem as decent. Um, and and two, basically, if you know if the situation at PSG became a bit too toxic, and I think Mbappe maybe realised himself, right? We I kind of need to get my heads together with PSG here and just make this move happen a year early, and it's probably best for everybody and best for my career. Um, I think ultimately Mbappe, you know, without going into it too much, we've talked about it so much, I think on this show, you know, he made a really, really poor decision a few years ago. I think when he made that U-turn to decide to stay at PSG, I think it was poor on so, so many levels. Um, for him personally, um, for his career, um, it really was. I think for PSG, the fact that, well, they, you know, they've, they're going to have to deal with this case every summer, every transfer window until he does eventually go. And then for Real Madrid as well, because they were just stuck with a very aging, declining uh, Benzema and not much else when it comes to an attacker. So it it was really bad for everyone involved. And, you know, there's got to be some sort of resolution to this one soon because we, we can't keep doing this uh, every single summer. What was most curious for me, Andy, was that you, you had the likes of, well, you had Pep Guardiola saying, look, in response to journalist questions, the kid wants to go to Real Madrid. It almost sounded as if I've had a conversation with him. No, he's definitely not coming here to Man City. And I don't know whether that was helpful for for Real Madrid or for, S- or for PSG, that comment. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe not. I mean, Guardiola's not in a position where he really wants to do either of them a favour, like, either historically or currently, I, I, I would suggest. Um, but what we can be clear about, I think, is that Kylian Mbappe will keep ownership of this decision this summer. Uh, I don't, I don't think he'll be pushed into 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 anything at all. And um, obviously, Real Madrid are sorted because they've got Hozilu anyway in in this week. Um, uh, it should be underlined, not the not the replacement for Kylian Mbappe, the replacement <laughs> for Mariano Diaz, um, but someone who, and we've seen with Bayern actually, and Eric Maxim Trupomoting, if you've got enough players around you, I mean, Hozelu has been, by the way, 
phenomenal scorer for really poor to middling teams over the last couple of seasons in Alaves and um, Espanyol. He's, he's done great since he's come in for the, the, the Spain national team. He's um, really looked the part. He's looked like the player they were missing, actually, in terms of that number nine who can hold it up and bring others into play. And like I said, with, with Chupa Moting, he was brilliant last season for Bayern before he got injured um, in the run-in. You know, sometimes the player who you need in the, in the, in the short term is not the flashiest name on, on the market. So, say if Mbappe didn't come, and they didn't get a huge centre forward next season. I still think they do pretty well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, if you look at the amount of chances they will create, that sort of firepower that they do have um, just behind the attack. So your Vinny's Rodrigo has come on a lot as a player. I think they've now got Bellingham as well. You know, Beckham, um, Bellingham's a, an attacking powerhouse on, on his own. The way that the way that he bursts, these these brilliant bursts that he has, and he's going to look at it next season and go, "Oh, I fancy myself a few goals in this in, in this league, a few assists in this league." He's uh, he towers over a lot of players. I think you know La Liga isn't particularly um, an, a physically um, you know. Uh, yeah, it isn't a particularly physically strong league, and I think it's somewhere that Bellingham can a little niche that Bellingham can carve out for himself there and and really really dominate midfield. So that'll be interesting to to see. And then there's others as well, you know, there's Fede Valverde as well who'll fancy himself getting himself on the score sheet a bit more. So I imagine that what's that is what's been fed out at Real Madrid. You know, we need everybody to to chip in until we do find a resolution to this uh, this number nine uh, problem. Well, it's interesting. And before we leave the Kylian Mbappe uh, conversation, the question from JC Green Arrow on Instagram is, what's the one transfer that will start the domino effect? Uh, well, let's start with Mbappe. If he was transferred, would there be a domino effect there? And is there a domino effect when he's not transferred? And if not him, if not the transfer of Kylian Mbappe, then which of the potential transfers this season could trigger a domino effect, Andy? Well, arguably, I, th- I think everything that's happening in Saudi Arabia is unblocking the market al- already. And if you're talking about uh, a-, a transfer starting the domino effect, maybe we've had it already. Maybe it was Karim Benzema, who you look a month, six weeks ago, and Real Madrid thought they were keeping Benzema for next season. And that they were kicking the can down the road, and you know they would wait on to sign Mbappe for free next summer. Now, the only reason I think this Mbappe story is a big alert, we already knew he was not going to take up that extra year of contract. But the context is key here. The, the, the context that Benzema is no longer at Real Madrid, that they could do with a top quality centre forward now. And he would like to be that top quality centre forward, certainly from 2024. That is, the, the move of Benzema, and because it was just a, an unbelievable amount of money that he couldn't turn down and Real Madrid felt obliged after his long service to, to let him go without, without, without much of a fuss, I think, and sort of gracefully withdraw from the, the, the race um, because he, he unsigned his new contract, of course. I think that that has really accelerated everything. So everything we're talking about with Mbappe at the moment is because of Benzema going. So obviously the the fact that the Saudi money is so vast that it is causing transfers to happen that wouldn't otherwise happen, that was the first in terms of a domino effect. But there could be loads of others 
that could be triggered, especially when you look at the fact that, you know, as we said, players who otherwise wouldn't consider moving are, are just have their heads turned by that amount of money, which I don't think is abnormal at all. But it means we might get a transfer or two that we don't expect between now and the end of August. Could it be that it's the transfer or the movement of a coach that triggers a domino effect. Luis Enrique is available, for example, and I wonder whether, David, that um, if he was returning to, if he ends up returning to club football now, whether that will be the trigger for transfers that have the kind of domino effect that we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. He's going to look, uh, Luis Enrique, strongly linked with PSG. It's looking very likely after Christophe Galtier left there. Um, you know, PSG's had a, gone through a few different names, but it looks like they finally got their man in Luis Enrique. Whether he was the first choice or the second choice or the third choice, I'm not too sure, maybe even fourth choice. Um, so, yeah, he's going to, you know, Luis Enrique is a very... Uh, strong-minded guy and he's going to come in with a very particular plan he's going to look at that squad he's not going to accept the uh the egos and the and the drama um that has happened previously at PSG so it'll be interesting to see with the moves that 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 he makes and I know Andy's going to look forward to having him in the French media as well oh absolutely uh, I mean I think after Serge Aurier's adventures on Periscope when he was at PSG, I think Luis Enrique on Twitch is going to be something special. But uh, the, I think the key thing for me is when he arrives, it's the first bit of good news that Neymar's had in a very long time uh, in, in, in a club-level context because they got on together really, really well at Barcelona. Um, Luis Enrique absolutely loves him and the, the, the feeling's mutual. So... Neymar has always looked like a problem to solve for the last couple of years. Um, the fact that um, they would have loved to get rid of him last summer, but but they couldn't. Um, his, his contract is quite an onerous one. It lasts for a very long time until 2027 as well. I think especially, say say if they are forced or they decide they have to sell Kylian Mbappe this summer, because... Like I've said, I, I still believe that Mbappe will go for free next summer to Real Madrid. But so much could change before the end of the summer. If Real Madrid make an acceptable offer and everyone decides that it's in their mutual interest, then off they go. And I think it would seem almost, it would have seemed like a doomsday scenario for, for, for PSG if we go back a little while. And you think, imagine if the only one they're left with of that front three is, is, is Neymar. That it doesn't feel like a, a sustainable future. But you've got to remember, even if, in my view, Neymar made a poor decision to go to the, the French League in the first place because, well, he's, he's just had a really dreadful toll on his, on, on his fitness. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's affected his physical health in, in, in quite a bad way, as I've said before. But Luis Enrique has, has, has got so much out of him before. And you think back to... Say, for example, the, the the worst point in the Champions League for, for, for PSG when um, they were subject to La Remontada. Um, and that was under Luis Enrique. And who led the team? It wasn't Messi. It was Neymar. Neymar did it that night in, in Barcelona. And he's a player who's always loved responsibility. What Imagine a situation where Luis Enrique empowers him, makes him feel good, builds the team around him, rather than anyone else. You know, his whole spell at PSG has been um, overshadowed by the fact that this brilliant young player, Kylian Mbappe, it turns out to be his team and not Neymar's. Imagine if, all of a sudden, 
It was Neymar's team. Now, look, I still think there are obstacles. I still think you have to set the table for him, make sure he's he's looked after, make sure he's protected by the other players around him, especially from that sort of brutality that he's often subject to. But it's, it's something worth thinking about, no, David? How interesting um, if this all were to happen. It would be like PSG came full circle somehow. So how the project started with Neymar, as you know, that's when it all really began in terms of bringing that big marquee signing mm. in to come back around. So these transfer windows and such ways being linked with moves away and, and you know his off-field activities and what have you. But if it were to come back around as him as the leader again, it would be it would be fast. That would be such a fascinating story, I think, moving forward. And I think you hit every nail on the head there. I think when you mentioned about his relationship with Luis Enrique, and you also mentioned as well when you do get Neymar focused and on it he is an unbelievably hard worker um you know individual uh, very very hard working individual incredible amounts of graft and you know the understanding of taking responsibility as well he is very very good at carrying it it's one of the most overlooked things i think in in european football and in in that way Neymar is a, a little bit underrated i, I still think where does Bernardo Silva fit into all of this, if he fits in at all, David? He would very much form part of a, a, a new midfield, I think. You know, if you, if you look, they've already, already got the, I think, the super, super talented Manuel Agate, um, young Uruguayan centre midfielder in uh, from, from Sporting um, in, in Portugal. Really, really talented player, and I think a lot of teams missed a trick. But yes, I think, you know, Bernardo would complement him really, really well in terms of what he can provide. And, you know, if you if you look at Verratti, struggled, I think, the past few years as well, and he's wanted somebody to, just a nice partner, somebody in tandem with. And I think Agate, a couple with Bernardo Silva at the top of that midfield three would be would be really exciting, I think, for PSG. I think the other option, if you want to change the shape of the team a little bit, is Bernardo Silva replaces Messi. I, I think nominally, I think that is something that would work really, really well. We know he's got the quality in the in the final third to do that. Be so much better off the ball than any of the the, the the Paris front three last season. So I think immediately you're looking at an upgrade and you're looking at an improvement in their, their Champions League chances because that was the problem, really. They, they, they weren't good enough when they weren't in possession to provide a genuine threat to teams in, in, in the last 16 and beyond in the, in the Champions League. And we've seen, particularly this season, when Bernardo has been, you know, if not Manchester City's best player, really close how important he would be for Paris. Guys, as we always do, uh, when we have a summer transfer special, we get loads and loads and loads of questions from listeners. We really appreciate all the questions, by the way, shed loads. We do try and include as many of the best ones, certainly, as we can. Got a couple of crackers for you. Uh, Tom, Tom Clark asks on Insta, Tonali to be the signing of the window for the Geordies. Oh, let's go to a Geordie, shall we, David? 
Oh, I thought you were going to go that. to me there. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm not having that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my word. Work. Okay, okay, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Sorry, uh, honestly, he's, he's, no, he's, he's a Mac and you've killed him there. I didn't realise. I didn't realise. I'm sorry. You know what? We, hey, mate, David, come back. Come back. All is forgiven. No, okay. Let's do it again. Um, Tanali, uh, Andy. Well, he'd definitely be the signing of the the window for Newcastle. I think um, to, to to get Sandro Tonali would be a, a a massive coup if they 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 see it over the line. Um, it's clear that they've been looking to get a superstar level player in that midfield. It's interesting because he's a very different player to Nicolo Barella, uh, who is just a, a a ball of energy, really. Although since early on at Brescia, when he was sort of ordained Tonali as the, the new Pirlo, he's proved a lot more than that. And he's proved that he can get into the penalty box and score goals. The way he's developed in the last year and a half at, at Milan is absolutely extraordinary. But of course, he's really good on the ball as well. I think that sort of passing that saw people mark him out as a special player uh, in the first place is something that will really add to Newcastle. Because what Eddie Howe's done to that midfield, it was, it was really static when he inherited that team. That was one of Newcastle's major failings. Now, the introduction of Bruno Guimaraes, the use of um, Joe Linton in midfield, and uh, the the fact that they've um, got Joe Willock up to a really, really good level has obviously made them a lot more mobile. Now, Tonali has come on in leaps and bounds in that regard, but he will be the best passer of the ball in the team when he joins so I think that adds a little bit of extra versatility to them as well I'd be fascinated to see how he got on there I mean here uh, there's a question for you David as well this uh, is from McThomas underscore 16 what can Bournemouth expect from their new manager Andoni Iriola and how much of a coup was it to get him oh you lucky, lucky Cherries fans. Um, <laughs> I genuinely think you've got one of the most exciting uh, coaches to come through in Spain in the past few years. Um, I think he's a. Br- I think Antonio Arola is a, a brilliant, brilliant coach. Um, very versatile, very flexible. He isn't one track. He's got different styles of playing. He's got different ways to you know how he manages each individual. Um, you know, I, I and. I think what's been most notable is the fact that he was at a, a Rio Vallecano with such limited resources um, in, in terms of ability to spend, in terms of you know the players that he had in his squad as well. Don't get me wrong, he had some talented players, but you know he didn't have a, you know, just loads of options at all. He, and what he worked with, um, he, he, got, he exceeded expectations, um, played some brilliant, brilliant football, I thought. Um, and... If they needed to defend and calm games, he instructed them to do that. He set them up to do that. But also, if they needed to attack teams, go at them. He'd do that as well. Um, hopefully, he gets the right players at Bournemouth as well. I think there was a few limitations in that Bournemouth squad. Although, again, there was some talent there. And I think it's just a really, really exciting um, appointment. And I think, you know, I know Leeds were very keen on him at one point. Um and they didn't get him. He decided to stay with Rai or, you know, that's what he wanted to do. And I think that says a lot about him. Very loyal, um, humble character. Um, and now he's got his move to the to the Premier League. And, and I really, really hope it works out with him. And, and I, I think it will as well. 
The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 